Jesus introduces the Christian lifestyle using two metaphors. Salt and light. All right. Now, I'm not a big fan of object lessons. There we go. I'm not a big fan of object lessons, but I want you to see what we're talking about here. Salt, verse 13, you are the salt of the earth. Verse 14, you are the light of the world. Now, of all the things that Jesus could have chosen to explain what a believer is, I mean, we're just... We're five chapters into the New Testament. We are in the, the, just the, the, the baby stages as far as the presentation goes. We are in the very early stages of the ministry of Jesus Christ. He has just begun in Matthew 5 to tell the world what this thing of the Christian life is. And just, just a, a few verses in. He says, let me tell you what you are. If you're going to follow me, let me tell you what you are. You are salt and you are light. Why did he choose salt and light? Why why didn't he say, uh, you are the flowers of the earth? You know, go forth and be beautiful and smell nice. Why didn't he say, uh, "You, you are the rivers of the world? Go and flow. Why in the world did he pick, you are the salt you are the light. I believe whatever else the answers to those questions are, you have to include this. Salt and light share, if you think about it, some unique qualities. Okay? Both salt and light impact their surroundings. Now they both have a specific purpose. You don't take, you know, you don't, you don't salt your 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 cat. Hopefully you don't. If we do, we have a little problem. You don't salt your your pillow, I hope. You salt your food. And we're talking, uh, Jesus talks about the savor of salt, so he's not talking there are other functions of salt, like preserving food and, and uh, melting ice, but he's talking about savor here, so he's primarily talking about using it on your food. So salt has a, a specific purpose. Light has a specific purpose. This light's not doing a, a, making a huge difference this morning. These lights are. But even if, it, if, if we shut these lights off this morning, it wouldn't be a big deal. We could still have church just fine with the light that's coming from outside. But Wednesday night, it's dark outside. This is why this light is up here even. It's dark outside. And in order for everybody to see this screen back here, we shut all the lights off from here on. Which means right away I can't see my notes. So we, we, we hooked, I'm not going to move it, but we hooked this right up here and I shine it on my notes and it has a purpose. And you all know that if the power goes out, boy, that flashlight. How many of you, by the way, under, under the sink, you know, you've got about 10 flashlights and all the batteries are dead. Anybody else? Okay. So, um, but you've got that one. You go through, no, that one, not, not, no, not that. Oh, ah, there, we've got a battery and it just got, it's just holding on. And you know how precious in, in a blackout, in, in, in a power outage, you know how precious that light is. What do they do? Both salt and light, they impact their surroundings. When you put salt on something, it tastes different. When you turn on light in the darkness, 
it impacts its surroundings. Not only that, they both impact their surroundings constantly. It's a constant. The the salt that you put on your food, it's not that sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. No, it always works. Now, it may not improve the food because the food may just be horrible, but you can always taste the salt. You, you turn a light on. Now, it's possible that the light doesn't work or that the batteries are dead or that the, something's wrong with the flashlight, but if it's light in darkness, it always works. So they, they both impact their surroundings. They both impact their surroundings constantly. And they both impact their surroundings constantly just by being what they are. They don't have to do anything. They just have to be what they are. Now, time out. I believe Christians ought to do some things, and we are a doing church. But far too many Christians think that their responsibility is to do something, but they don't care about what they are. Salt changes your food, not by doing something. You're not going to salt your your hamburger this afternoon and say, okay, now go ahead, salt, do it. Come on, do it, do it, come on, do it. No, you you put it on there, and uh, just by nature of what it is, your food is changed. Just by nature of what the light is, the darkness has changed. Boy, there's nothing more comforting, is there, when you, you pull in at, at late at night and you go, oh, man, we forgot to leave a light on. And I, maybe how many of you have a motion sensor on the light in, in, the, in the yard? That's so cool. You pull in and bang, it just comes on. And Oh, man, it's so, it's so good. Well, it instantly makes a change just by nature of what it is. So what salt and light have in common? What Jesus is asking and telling us, this is what we are. This is what you are. He's saying, you are salt, you are light. And both of these impact their surroundings constantly just by what they are. Boy, if that doesn't convict you, I'm not sure you're paying attention. If professing Christians in America... Were salt and light in their homes, on their jobs, in their schools, our nation would experience a sweeping spiritual awakening. In fact, if just 75% of professing Christians in America were salt and light in their daily lives, America would experience a sweeping spiritual awakening if only 50% of professing Christians in America would just be salt and light every day. America would experience a sweeping spiritual awakening. I'll go this far. I think if just 10% if just 10% of professing Christians, I'm talking about Christians who are the real deal. If they would be the real deal 
every day, just 10% of professing Christians would just be the real deal as believers, we would see a sweeping spiritual awakening in our country. Let me, let me throw this in here. We are not proposing in Northeast Baptist Church a passive Christianity. We are presenting a rock-solid Bible discipleship Christianity. Disciples of Jesus Christ. What is a disciple? Jesus said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, follow me. That is not the common American Christianity. The common American Christianity, I'm talking about, you know, the, the, the one that says, yeah, hey, man, yeah, I'm, I'm okay, I'm a Christian, but I still, I still go where everybody else goes. I still do what everybody else does, and it's cool, man. It's okay. You know, I still drink. I still hang out. We still go to all the movies when they come out. I still listen to all the music you listen to. I pretty much laugh at all the same jokes, and I'll, I'll slide in the same words that you use in conversation There's no salt in that. There's no light in that. And that's why we're not having a sweeping spiritual awakening in spite of the fact that there are so many professing Christians. And by the way, you're going to have to choose, not between our church and some other church, you're going to have to choose between Bible Christianity and modern Christianity. You can choose one or the other. You can choose neither. But you can't have both. You won't have both. It's impossible to have both. So stop trying to have a Christian. As soon as you have a Christian that says, look, hey, hey, I just want to act like everybody else. I want to look like everybody else. I want to talk like everybody else. I want to dance with everybody else. I want to enjoy my movies with everybody I want to do what everybody else is doing. It's just that I'm going to heaven. You're not Saul. And you're not light. Jesus said, you're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. God expects believers. This is what salt and light's telling us. God expects believers to impact our surroundings constantly by being what he makes us. So, well, what does he make us? Well, he already answered that in the first 12 verses. Let me read it for you. Listen carefully. This is what he's making you. And it's all about your attitude, your spirit, your heart. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are they that mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you, persecute you, and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad. That's what God's making you. Somebody who's strong enough to be what you're supposed to be, to be meek, to be a peacemaker, to treat others kindly, to to have a humble spirit, to not go around and, you know, cause riots and, and strife and discord all the time, but to be a, a peacemaker, a builder, a lover of people, to care and to invest your life. And God says, if you'll be that, if you'll be what I described here, 
and, and you'd be willing. By the way, it's crazy that by being a peacemaker, Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, and then he turns right around in verse 10 and says, blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness. Why would a peacemaker be persecuted? Why would a peacemaker be persecuted? But Jesus clearly said it happens. When you're about making peace, people are going to attack you. And blessed are you when you can be strong enough to take it. And when you put all that into one package, you're going to be salt. You're going to be like, so, so can I put this maybe into more practical terms? You're salt and light when people attack you and you don't have to fight back. And can I say, because this is 2017 life, I almost said 2006, we're in March, and I almost said 2016 right there. Because this is 2017 life, it's so easy to put on a happy face in public and then to, to get on that social media and just attack everybody. And then you leave it up there for a little while until it has, you know, time to cause discord, and then you take it down. I didn't do nothing. So, Pat, you're on, you're on Facebook. How do you know all that? Because it's, it's unbelievable how people talk about these things. So, so don't, don't say, well, Pastor, why are you preaching about that? That doesn't matter. It must matter because it's what people talk about. So it, it is important. And it is important that when people attack you, that you're strong enough to take it and just, you know, I, I, use, I use Twitter. And I don't use it to, I mean, you can look at everything I've ever posted. I don't use it to launch at people. I use it to state what's on my heart and mind. It's usually very encouraging, uplifting. Once in a while, I'll make a statement about, you know, the the government or whatever or sports. But most of the time, and sometimes just, you know, silly stuff. Like like yesterday, I, I, this, uh, this, uh, this is a silly kind of a thing. All right, me and Amanda went for a hamburger yesterday. So we're sitting there waiting for our... It's, it's, by the way, can I throw in a commercial here? You knew Fairfield people. Uh, have you ever eaten at the, the, the Route 37 hamburger place up here? You need to go there. It is awesome. It is great hamburger, little place. I don't know, you know, uh, just it's fantastic. Anyway, so there's my little commercial. So uh, it's, a, it's a treat. We, we might go just, you know, a few times a year. And yesterday was a day where me and Amanda just stopped there for lunch. And so we're waiting for them to cook our, our grass-fed beef. And um, they're cooking our, our burger. And, and uh, I said, hey, let's take it. Or maybe Amanda said, I don't remember. Let's take a picture. So I take it. Now, I don't, I don't ever, hardly ever do selfies. So I took out the hood. And here's my thing, okay? I've got to hold the camera and push the button. And i got to remember where to look because I'm always looking at the wrong spot. How many of you are always looking at the wrong spot? Always looking at the wrong spot. And on top of all that work that i got to focus on, i got to smile too. And I usually forget to smile. I, I do. I'm going, I'm, I'm holding the camera. I'm going, there's the button. Where do I got to look again? Oh, yeah, I got to look. Here's the button. I got to look over here. All right, let's see if I can do all this together. And so there's my face right there. 
When I take the selfie, I'm never smiling. If you take the selfie, I'll be smiling. I won't be looking at the lens, but I'll be, I'll be looking over there, and I'll be, hey. And uh, so I took it, and I, I, Amanda said, send me one. So I sent her one, and I'm like, oh, look, I did it again. I got my selfie face on. So I just, for the sake of my friends who are going to laugh at me, I threw it up there on Twitter, and, and I explained why this is the case. So that's mostly how I use the thing. But I decided a long time ago, if I have to post at some point an opinion that gets, uh, once in a while you just got to say, you got to address what's going on in the world, you know. And I do it rarely, but once in a while I do. And, and you, you, usually because of the people that I follow and they follow me, I get, I get, hey, way to go. That's right, Joe or Brother Joe or Pastor, whoever. That's, that's hey, that's good. And, and then you get somebody that responds and says, oh, yeah, well, what about you stinking good for nothing? And I just decided when I first started out, I'm just, I'm either not going to reply or I'm going to reply with, and I've done this a number of times, God bless you, my friend. And I got to tell you, it shuts it right down. Because when people throw that out, oh, yeah, you're good. You're one of those good for nothing. They're waiting for you because they know you're going to get all, and you're going to fire back. So I said, if I'm going to do this thing, I'm either going to not respond or I'm going to say, hey, praying for you, man. If it's somebody I know, good to hear from you. God bless you. And by the way, I'm going to mean it. I'm going to pray for him. These are the kind of things. These are the kind of things that make you salt and light. Let me ask you, are there people in your school that everybody knows you don't talk to, not because they're drug dealers and you're not, but because you just don't like each other? Are there people on your job that everybody knows every time you guys cross in the hallway, there's going to be fireworks? I don't even believe it. I've been in plenty of workplaces where, where this is the case, where there's, a, there's an agitating group that's always either picking on either the Christians or the conservatives, or by the way, vice versa. I've worked with Christians that attack everybody. I don't believe that's right. I, I don't believe it's right to go to work and tell everybody everything I believe about everything that's happening, you know, and I, I'm not there to represent a political party. I'm there to be salt and light. Salt and light. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Now, we have the privilege this week to go to Washington, D.C. and be salt and light. I want to remind you that Capital Connection is not, it's not a political movement whatsoever. We don't lobby anything. We don't protest anything. We're not, we don't ask for anything. The purpose of the Capital Connection is to take a pastor, and we're not there yet, but th- this is the goal, for a pastor in every congressional district in America to go to Washington and have a personal appointment to pray with their representative, no matter what their representative believes or stands for. They represent you. You're commanded to pray pray for them. And so we went. Now, we uh, the storm did impact people that could and couldn't come, plus a couple of pastors in Connecticut that normally go 
Okay, I'll tell you who two of them that go every year, and you'll understand immediately why they weren't there. Pastor Bish goes every year. Couldn't go this year. You understand. John Lafanier goes every year. And so it was, it was me and one other pastor from Connecticut. So not only did we go to our own representatives, but we, we, uh, paired, we, we uh, each took some representatives from uh, other places that, that weren't ours. And then because I live in New York, I went to the New York delegation and I said, there's no churches where I live. Could, could I go see our, and, and I had already made an appointment, uh, could I go t- take the book to my representative where I live? And they said, absolutely, because like I said, there's no pastors or churches there. So we were, we were blessed this week to go to Representative John Larson, unless you live in Hartford, that's not your representative. We did see Elizabeth Estee. We didn't see her. We saw her last year, but she wasn't available this year. But we saw a young man named Connor in her office. We saw him last year also. And Connor is from Avon. And uh, so we got to talk to him and pray with him. This was awesome. Because of the storm, the federal government was on a three-hour delay. All of Washington was on a three-hour delay. So we're going through the, the Capitol. We, we got there on time, according to our schedule. And all these offices aren't open yet. The building's open, but the offices are not. We went to Representative Larson's uh, office uh, when, during business hours, and the door was closed. There was mail outside, so we had to leave his book there. We went to uh, Representative Estes' office, and uh, they were open for business. You know, the, the world was, it, 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 we didn't get a lot of snow, but it was, it was pretty cold and, and icy out there. And so the world is like on a delay, but her office was up and running. And there was Connor sitting in the seat, so I got to pray with him. Let me, let me tell you this. Uh, Representative Estes, she's your congresswoman. And, and uh, from meeting her last year, from, from following her, you're, you, you may not agree with everything she stands for. In fact, you may strongly disagree with the lot that she stands for. But I want to tell you, she's a genuine person. She's the real deal. She's a woman of character. She is sincere. She is genuine. Now, sometimes you're going to genuinely disagree with her. But, but uh, she, she, look, there's, there's, no matter which side of the aisle you're on, and I know we have Republican people here, we have Democrat people here, we're not a political church, but no matter which side of the aisle you believe yourself to be on, there's phonies on both sides, and there's genuine people on both sides. And I'm telling you, Elizabeth Esty is a, is a genuine person, whether you agree with her, her uh, politics or not. So we went there. We, got to, we went to Senator Richard Blumenthal's uh, office. If you live in Connecticut, he's your senator. And uh, that's pretty impressive to go to a senator's office. First of all, their offices are about 10 times bigger than the congressman's office. Um, we didn't have an appointment to go there because we were not expecting to go there. But uh, we did talk to a man named Sean that works in his office. Sean is from Hartford, and Sean grew up in a Baptist church. I wasn't persuaded that he was was saved. By the way, I should show you this. This is the book right here. Um, This book is called Maxims of Washington, George Washington. It's a reprint. It's a beautiful book, and it was uh, produced just for the Capitol Connection. And every, get this, every congressman and every senator in Washington has one of these in their office now. Because they were personally delivered by a pastor. Now, the, the ones that, that we delivered have a, 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 uh, a gold or whatever it is, uh, material, but, but it's gold-colored uh, thing on the front that says the congressman's name, the senator's name. And uh, Congresswoman Estes says, from Northeast Baptist Church, Danbury, Connecticut. 
and we present that to them. We give them enough New Testaments for everybody in their office, and this is a specially printed New Testament just for this year for people in Congress. And we give them a tract. This, this is a specially printed tract called uh, the, the Life and Legacy of Washington. And uh, this is, uh, it presents the gospel, but it tells the life story of George Washington as well. And a bunch of those. And we take them in the office. And it's a very, it's a very soft sell. Now, understand, some of these fellows from down south, bless their hearts, their congressmen saved. Everybody in our office is saved. Good for you. <laughs> you know, I, we, I, I've, I've yet to have that visit. But uh, uh, so, so we're, we're missionaries, you know, it's a little different. But listen, our message is love either way. We love you. We appreciate your service. We're praying for you. And would you be uncomfortable if we had prayer with you right now? In a couple places, they were, they were like, um, you know, <laughs> so I said, hey, that's okay, no problem, no problem. But I want you to know we're praying for you. But um, I believe it was uh, Representative Estes' guys, Connor, we're out in the hallway. We're out in the hallway where everybody's, I said, Connor, could we pray with you right here? He said, sure. He bowed his head and prayed and prayed for God to bless his life and Congresswoman Estes' life and their families. And, you know, they have families, too, and they have trials and difficulties, too. Trying to be salt. And light. Now, because there were people missing, I'm going to speed this up. I don't want to get you out late. But um, there were extra books that didn't get delivered. I'm not sure if there's anyone there from Utah. If there was, there weren't very many. So there was a stack of people that hadn't gotten their books. So they asked us on Wednesday, hey, would anybody mind taking an extra book? So I went and I I said, I'm going to go see somebody I know. So I'm digging through and I saw Orrin Hatch. All right, I'm going to go see Orrin Hatch. Well, we didn't see Orrin Hatch, but we went to his office. And uh, his office, I would guess they'd be Mormon. I'm not sure, but uh, he sure looked like one. He, but it, but uh, the guy sitting at the desk there, go, wow, that looks like a guy that might knock on my door with a, with a briefcase over his shoulder. But anyway, um, we talked to him. He was very friendly. And I said, we're here. And, and I said, we're not here lobbying anything. We have no agenda. If you could only see all day long, all day long, it's delegation after delegation after delegation, and they all want something. And you walk in, and they're like rolling their eyes, especially when you say, we don't have an appointment. It's like, oh. And then I say, it's just me and Amy and Amanda. We don't want anything. We're not here to ask anything. We're here to pray for you. And you can see their countenance change. Every office Republican, Democrat, liberal, it doesn't matter. You say, we're not here for it. We're just, we, we have a presentation. You can't say gift. If you say gift, they can't take it. We have a presentation for you. And that's the book here. And we're here to, we, we, we're here to let you know that we appreciate your service for our country. We love you. We're praying for you. I told Representative Esty, we pray, our whole church prays for you at least once a quarter. It's right in our bulletin. And uh, boy, their countenance change, changes. When you're not making these appointments, we go to the Congressional Auditorium. And let me just give you just a little, I'll, I'll put this in a nutshell, but the very interesting stuff. I'm going to ask you to pay your best attention. I'll keep it short as I can. 
We heard from Washington, a Christian congressman, the fourth most powerful person in Congress. Her name is Kathy McMorris Rogers. She is a born-again Christian. She went to an AC school just like I did. When she gives her testimony, she talks about being impacted by Dr. David Gibbs and Dr. Jack Hiles. She went to Pensacola Christian College, graduated, went into law school, and now she's the fourth most powerful person in Congress. From the state of Washington, she began her talk with our text. The Bible says, you are the light of the world. A city which is set on a hill cannot be hid. And she said this, I'm in Washington to be salt and light. Here's a remarkable thing. There are Christians in Washington who know they were called there to represent Christ. Now, they're legal, legal, brilliant legal minds, and they're working hard on all kinds of every, everything that uh, a conservative-minded person would be in favor of. They're working hard to make these things happen. But as they do so, by the way, as they do so, they're getting people involved in Bible studies once a week. Um, Montana, Montana Senator Steve Dane he spoke to us. He, he led us in uh, Victory in Jesus, I think it was. He's, he's a song leader in his church when he's home in Montana. They have established a weekly Bible study in the vice president's office. And many of the cabinet members attend it. Salt and light people. I'm telling you, there's, there's Christianity and it's it's. It's growing among the people in the... I'm not saying Christians are taking over the world. I'm not saying, hey, we're about to have revival. They all say it's a long, slow, steady climb. But we're here as salt and light. Ohio Congressman Bill Johnson said there are more believers in Washington, D.C. than most people realize. And he also said we are here to be salt and and light. I wonder if you remember a few years ago, the commander of SEAL Team 6 that uh, took out Osama bin Laden, he wrote a book. Now, it's not, there's, there's uh, Robert, oh, God, his name escapes me, that, that actually killed Osama bin Laden, not him, but the commander of the team, wrote a book. His name is Ryan Zinke. He wrote a book several years ago, and the Obama administration wouldn't let him put the book out because they said it it exposed government secrets, the main government secret being, honestly, that, that the Bush administration, you know, had been working on this for years. They didn't want that out there. So anyway, he had to take a percentage of, his, of the material out, and then he put the But He was all over the news because the government was, was uh, silencing him from publishing this book. Ryan Zinke was his name. Two weeks ago, he was made the Secretary of the Interior. He's in the president's cabinet, and he's a born-again Christian. And it's the first time that a cabinet member ever came out and spoke to the Capital Connection people. And so we got to hear him speak. He's the only guy. They, didn't, they don't tell him what to say. And he had the whole security detail. It was impressive. He's the only guy of all these speakers. They don't tell him what to say. They come out, they talk. He's the only guy that he said, well, that's it. Let's close in a word of prayer. A cabinet member. Dear Heavenly Father, he prayed, and I pulled my phone out. So I'm going to record this, and so I'll, I'll play that for you Wednesday night if you're here. How he close his prayer? We thank you for these things. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.
salt and light. Oklahoma Representative Mark Wayne Mullen, he's a believer. He's a part of Bible studies. Oklahoma Representative Jim Bridenstine, he gave his testimony at 10, uh, 11 o'clock on uh, Wednesday night to us on the floor of the house. These people are very aware of their God-given responsibility to be salt and light. Can I tell you some of the things? This, this, this right here, so, so many stories I want to tell you, but, but I, I want to respect your time, but listen carefully to the next five minutes, and we'll, we'll close it down, okay? Salt and light. I believe it was a pastor from Maine, I think it was Maine, who came back and testified. He, he went to his representative's office, and she said, I've been in government 25 years. I've never had a pastor pray with me. That's what we're there to do. This right here. How, remember, how many of you remember a year ago right now, a year ago right now, the most conservative member of the Supreme Court died unexpectedly. And all of a sudden, the presidential election went to another level because wh- whoever became president was going to uh, appoint the next, his, his replacement, and it would, it would steer our country either right or left for the next 40 years. That all was changing a year ago right now. And so the, the president put forth a candidate that was not too right, not too left, just sort of milk toast. And right away, the senators who were in charge of considering it said, we're not even going to consider it because and we don't have time to talk about the but but it's 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 just a tradition that by the way the Democrats started that in an election year you you let the election decide who the next appointee is going to be. And so even though the Democrat in fact I believe it was Joe Biden who originally got that one going, and of course now he stood firmly against that idea. But so the the, the president last year. And all these senators and congressmen from the other side of the aisle are really putting the pressure on the the Senate uh, leaders who are saying we will not even consider this. Well, standing firm, get this, was was, uh, Senator Chuck Grassley, who was Christian, a member of a Baptist church in Iowa. We got to hear him speak a year ago. He stood strong. But there's another senator, listen carefully, that there's another senator that they could have gone through and they wouldn't, they, they, wouldn't, uh, they wouldn't even tell us who his name was because they didn't want to embarrass him. But this man came last year. He came recently. But last year, the pressure was on him. I mean, they were putting pressure on him. You better consider our candidate now. And he let Brother Harding, Brother Creed know, I got to tell you, I almost caved. He said, I almost caved and let, let the Senate consider the president's nominee a year ago, he said, and what gave me the fortitude to stand strong is when all these pastors came to Washington last year. And he said, that's when I got my backbone. And he said, I didn't buckle. That, I mean, I just choked up right then as I'm doing now to realize we, we helped have an impact here. I'm going to skip on down. I got a lot of the. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you three three thoughts. Just read them to you. I'm going to tell you a story that you're going to want to hear, and then we'll close. How do you keep your light lit and your salt savory? 
Jesus said, salt can't lose its savor, the light can't be hid under a bushel. How do you keep your light lit and your salt savory? Three, three ways that God has given you. The word of God in you is what changes you. Number two, prayer. Intense, persistent prayer is what changes you. And number three, the Holy Spirit in control of your life. That's what keeps the salt salty and the light lit. And let me give you a non-American illustration of what I'm talking about. Salt and light. Hey, what I'm about to tell you is the same thing that ought to happen in your family, at your school, on your job, just by being what God wants you to be through the Word of God, through intense prayer, and through the Spirit of God in control of your life. In the Philippines... A new president was elected last summer, and I hope I have this right, Brother Fred. This is the way I heard it, okay? Um, But I think I've got it right. I researched a little bit, and it seems right. He, He became president last summer, and he had promised, you elect me, I'm going to take, I'm going to clean up the, the crime and the drug mess. So he becomes president, and he passes a law, get this, he passes a law in the Philippines that you can shoot and kill a drug dealer and a drug user. And if it is proven that he was indeed a drug dealer or a drug user, you will not be charged. So from July to December... 6,000 drug dealers and drug users were shot dead in the street. Now, by the way, I'm not not, uh, uh, um, condoning that or embracing that or saying, hey, we ought to do that here, bless God. No, I'm just telling you the facts. That's what happened. 6,000 drug dealers and users were shot dead by cops and civilians with no charges being pressed. Well, that led to 1,200 drug dealers and users turning themselves in. <laughs> we don't want to die. So they went to the police department and said, uh, fingerprint us, arrest us, put us in jail. We're guilty. So now the government has 1,200. This is awesome. 1,200 drug dealers locked up, and dealers and users, addicts, don't know what to do with them. So the president of the Philippines calls the Pope. And the Pope said, well, you know, how do we help these people with their addictions? And the Pope says, well, we might be able to help you, but it'll cost you. So they said, okay, the Pope's not going to help us. They heard about Reformers Unanimous International. In the last four months, Reformers Unanimous International, you've seen your bulletin, they're one of our missionaries. We support your your faith promise supports them every month. Started in, get this, 700 chapters in the Philippines in the last four months. You know what that is? That's salt and light reaching the lost. That's what salt and light is supposed to do. It's supposed to reach the lost. And Jesus said, you're the salt of the earth. 
you're the light of the world. I've explained as, by way of illustration a little bit what the, how Christians in Washington in the government are salt and light. I'm asking you, are you salt and light at your house? Are you salt and light in your school? Are you salt and light on your job? Are you salt and light in your neighborhood? Are you salt and light in this city? Father, I pray that you help us today to take the challenge from the Lord.